0: Do I still know how to preach? Come on, baby. We're going to hear from the Word tonight. We are wrapping up our series on modern romance, and we're going to be looking at the subject of the breakup. But we're going to be kind of looking at this. Some of you are like, oh, man, I didn't come for the right night. It's okay. (laughs) I heard you down here. It's okay. We're going to be looking at a big picture of what does it look like to live in relational brokenness. And if you remember from the last time I talked, I was talking about just the, my own relational brokenness that I've walked through, and I talked to you about my mom, Judy, my mom whom I love dearly, a woman who has gone through a lot of brokenness, a woman who, uh, who her husband left her, was 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 left with four kids and a dog named Fluffy. I told you the story, and how she was faithful following the Lord and how he provided for her through that difficult time. Well, this this I was just in Scotland. And you can see the picture there. Uh, I was there working on my PhD, as many of you know. And my mom, she has been poor most of her life, has really gotten to do nothing. And, and she had this dream. She's always wanted to go to the UK, to go to Scotland, to go see castles, and to go to, to some specific spots. And my mom has spent most of her life helping me achieve my dreams, and I had the privilege these last couple weeks to help my mom achieve some of her dreams. And uh, some of the pictures you saw, that's Isle of Skye in Scotland, but the other one was on Loch Ness. And and I've never seen my mom more happy, more excited, or more giddy. And in particular, uh, one site that she really, really wanted to go to was Beatrix Potter's House. Now that's the author of Peter Rabbit, and when Beatrix died. They left her house just as she had it. And my mom was over the moon getting to walk through this house and hear everything about it. And it was so cool. Thank you guys for praying for me. And just what we had an incredible time. I, I, I can't express to you how cool it was to get to love my mom like that. And uh, I take it as providence because my mom sent me a card and it arrived in the mail today. So I'm going to read it for you. And my my mom said this. She said, Dear Andy and Nancy, thank you just seems too insignificant for what you've given me. It was the most wonderful week of my life. I saw things I only dreamed of and went places I couldn't even imagine. When I read this today, I just just cried. So thank you uh, to Nancy, my wife, for flying me over. I think I would still be lost without you. Thank you, Andy, for driving me. You're amazing, and we would be dead if I got behind the wheel once. It's <laughs> probably true. She said, I love you both so much. Love forever, Mom. You know, the, the reality is, and I was reminded of this as I was traveling with my mom. You know, this is actually the most time I've spent with my mom in 20 years. Some of you are like, good Lord, that man's old. Okay, but like... Life creeps up on you, man. You get busy. And uh, yes, as many of you know, I'm from Portland. And so I don't get down there as much as I'd like. And, and it was just so cool being there with my mom. And it was a reminder to me, though, because every time that I'm with my mom, I'm reminded of the brokenness that she's gone through. Because I think a lot of us think that, you know, you go through brokenness, but then, you know, it, it's just it's gone or something. But the but the reality is, is that you and I live in a broken world and we go through brokenness and, and, and there's an aspect of us that uh, that that is working through that. And and I was thinking I was just thinking about this when I when I was traveling with my mom, in particular because I'm thinking about the fact that we're gonna be talking about relational brokenness tonight. And and what is what does relational brokenness look like and and, and, and what kind of wisdom Can we understand or can we come to the Bible and to appreciate about, okay, how how do I navigate this whole dating thing? How do I navigate, you know, life? But, you know, how do I navigate just broken relationships in general? And it was interesting, by the way, uh, to see how my mom has gone through brokenness, but how she's done so with Jesus and how it has changed who she is. My mom is not a bitter person. My mom loves people dearly. In fact, on the flight over to the UK, Uh, she didn't realize that on like international flights, she'd never been on a long flight. uh, She didn't know that movies are free. And so when they came along with the earbuds, she's like, no, no, that's okay. And she just sat there from Portland to the UK. and And then she just talked to people. She made three Facebook friends and shared the gospel with two people by the time the plane landed, right? I mean, come on, that's Mama Steiger. My mom just loves people. And I know it too. I know whenever I'm going to pick her up, she's, just, she's probably made friends wherever she's gone. And sure enough. And, you know, as, as I think about that, though, and I think about the fact that you and I go through brokenness. And, and, and the question of how are you and I going to go through that brokenness? And what kind of people are we going to be as we go through that? It, 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 it reminded me of um, a story that I want to start off with. It's Daniel's one of his favorite stories of mine. Some of you maybe have heard it. Uh, but last year when I went to the UK, okay. So last year's flight to the UK, uh, thank you. So last year I'm, I'm sitting there and you know what happens is you're reading or you're working and all of a sudden the dinner comes and you're sitting in this plane and you have no idea what to do. So you start to watch a movie, Right. So I'm going to watch a movie, and let me give you a little bit of advice for those of you that are married or going to get married. You always watch a movie that your spouse isn't going to watch, because if you watch one they want to watch, you're going to have to watch it twice, and they're going to be upset that you watch it, right? So I got to find one that Nancy's not going to watch, and one that I definitely wouldn't want to pay for normally, and so I saw the perfect movie, and that was a musical, I'm never going to pay for a musical. I'm not really into them. But this one I'd heard so much about, La La Land, that I thought, ah, I'll give it a try. So I pressed play on La La Land and I I put in my earphones and I began to watch this movie. And as I begin to watch this movie, I begin to watch one of the most depressing, boring, broken movies I've ever seen in my life. And And I get halfway through this movie, and there's no musical yet. (laughs) And I'm thinking, this is the best musical I've ever seen. (laughs) Like, this is incredible. But I got to tell you, I am 100% engaged into this movie because the movie is so dark. It is so depressing. I'm thinking, how on earth are they going to turn a musical out of this? This is amazing. (laughs) This is how dense I am. I haven't, you know, the thought hasn't even occurred to me that maybe I'm not watching La La Land. Maybe this is a ty- an entirely different movie. And I, 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 sadly, this is how bad it is. I get to within five minutes of the end of this movie. It's only then that I begin to think I might not be watching La La Land. <laughs> right? But I can tell you right now, if I didn't think I was watching La La Land, I would have never made it to the end of the movie. But I, the whole time... I keep thinking, wow, I can't wait to see them turn this around. I can't wait to, you know, as it just gets deeper and deeper. Okay, so then the movie ends, and I'm thinking, okay, definitely not La La Land. What did I just watch? So, by the way, I clicked on La La Land, and I see this amazing musical number on some highway. I'm like, definitely didn't see that movie. And I did some creeping around on the thing and found out that the plane, in its infinite wisdom, had decided to show me Manchester by the Sea. And if any of you have seen that movie... It is a depressing movie of a man who loses everything and, and falls into a deep, dark depression of darkness, you know, and that's, that is La La Land. And I mean, sorry, that's Manchester by the Sea. And I, I say that because to me, that is such an illustration, I think, for so many of us that we go into life and we have these high expectations and we, we can't wait for these certain events such as dating. And we think, man, this is going to be our marriage. And we think to ourselves, this is going to be la-la land. Like this is going to be an amazing musical extravaganza. And all of a sudden we find ourselves watching Manchester by the Sea. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? You and I will go through brokenness. You and I will go through difficulties and challenges. I was looking at some statistics for you, by the way. Uh, On average, a young adult uh, woman will date seven times before she gets married. On average, a young adult male will date eight times before they get married. Daniel, you're well on your way, buddy. Stay strong. (laughs) And on average... You will have four horrible dates. Some of you are like, been there, got those over with, right? Four horrible dates. Uh, Women, you will be stood up once. Men, you'll be stood up twice. Thank you, ladies. Right? And if that wasn't enough, on average, you will have your heart broken twice. Welcome to life. Right? Thought I was watching La La Land. You're watching Manchester by the Sea. And, And... Honestly, I remember the first date that I ever went on. I will never forget that first date that I ever went on, because I had been looking forward to it for a long time, and it was prom. Do they call it prom here in Canada? Yeah, OK, OK. So I'm looking forward to prom, but this was amazing, because a beautiful girl asked me to prom. I'm thinking, touchdown, doesn't get any better than this. I'm getting asked to prom by a beautiful girl, and so I'm going to this girl's school's prom. Within five minutes of prom, she ditches me for another dude, and I'm left there. And this is the worst part. They decided to have their prom on a boat. Yeah, nowhere I can go. I find myself at the front of the boat, at the edge, <laughs> looking over, thinking, I can swim pretty good. I Surely I can get to shore. All of a sudden, as the night goes on, more and more dudes come over who've been ditched by their own dates. And at the end, it's basically us trying to pull each other down from the ledge, you know? It's going to be okay, man. You think you're going to watch La La Land? You find yourself Manchester by the sea. You know what I'm saying? If you have your Bibles, as I was thinking about where do we go, you know, what, what does God have to teach us about the relational challenges, the relational brokenness that you and I will face? And, and, I, and I think immediately about Jesus. And I, and I think immediately about as Jesus comes in, in this world and he begins to live incarnate, the son of God in the flesh, walking and talking. That the the people there with him, I think about the disciples, I think about John the Baptist, I think about those Jews, they were expecting as Jesus came onto the scene, and and in particular I want to bring you to his first sermon, Matthew chapter 5. They were expecting la-la land, man. They were expecting this is Jesus, he's giving his first sermon, and what is he going to preach on? What is he going to teach us? And they get this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. And what I want to do tonight, by the way, I want to look at four, four verses of this. And I want to to look at what Jesus is saying, and I want to take this, and I want to apply this to dating. I want to apply this to marriage, and I just want to apply this to just relational brokenness in general. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's how Jesus begins. And I'm sure people are like, what? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying that you and I live in a broken world. And the reality is, is that there are times in our lives that you and I are going to be poor in spirit. We are going to be broken. You and I are going to have challenges in this life. And, and, and this is something that you and I need to embrace. We need to understand that we live in a broken world and there are times that brokenness is going to come and be a part of your life. And one of the questions that you need to be thinking about is what are you going to do in the midst of the brokenness that you will face in this life? How are you going to move in and live in a world full of brokenness. And Jesus is saying, listen, for those that are broken, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When when Jesus came as the Son of God, he came bringing hope. Not that you and I won't go through brokenness. We will go through brokenness. But we go through brokenness with our eyes on the kingdom (laughs) We go through brokenness knowing that this life isn't the end and that there is a greater story that's being told and we keep our focus not on the brokenness but on the kingdom to come and that you and I have a great hope that far outweighs any of the brokenness and the challenges that we will face. Listen, when my mom got married, she wasn't expecting that she would be divorced. She wasn't expecting to have four kids and a husband that left. But that's the world that she found herself in. When I got asked to prom, I wasn't expecting for my date to ditch me. But that's where I found myself. You will find yourself in brokenness. You don't have to go finding it. It will find you. And you need to ask yourself, what am I going to do in the midst of it? As Jesus is continuing to, to hone our attention on how do we live in a broken world. He continues, verse 4 now. And he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You know, it's interesting. uh, When I first started pastoring, uh, a pastor friend of mine said, listen, Andy, preach to the brokenhearted. You'll always have an audience. And there's a lot of truth to that. The reality is, is that each one of us in your life right now, you are going through some level of relational brokenness. And at some point in your life, you will experience the depth of relational brokenness. A a professor of mine would often say this to our class. He would say, listen, the only thing that's stopping you from seeing everyone you love and care for die is your own death. Have a nice day. (laughs) Right? And you're like, man, sometimes that's actually really scary when you think about that. that. That I am... If I live long enough, man, I am going to walk through a lot of brokenness. I am going to do a whole lot of mourning. And one of the things that I want to just encourage you with as we begin to think about this, this is something that we don't hear enough, to be quite honest, is that you and I are human beings. We are relational creatures. We have a desire to love and to be loved. We have emotions. We have a heart. And it can break. And I, listen, I can't tell you the number of times that I've walked through a store and you will see a bunch of magazines that will give you like five steps for giving, getting over breakup, right? Or you'll watch online, you know, you know 10 steps for getting over your, you know, your breakup. And I'm, I'm, What I'm telling you right now and what I see Jesus pointing at is you don't get over breakup. You don't get over having your heart broken, you don't get over it. You don't get under it. You go through it. You and I are not robots. You know, I can't just turn off my emotions. And I want to encourage you. You need to embrace the fact that you have emotions, especially men. I'm, I'm one of the worst culprits. I need to remind myself that I need to be okay with the fact that when my heart's broken, that it is okay to mourn. And in fact, it's healthy for me, and I'm going to need to walk through that, and it's going to be difficult. But the reality is, is that you will be comforted. This is one of the things that's so interesting about Jesus. Jesus is there in the flesh. He's walking with people. As Christians, we don't live alone. We live with Christ. Christ is with us and walks with us through those challenges, when we experience the brokenness of this world, and when you and I do mourn. Think about um, the, different, the different times in my life where I have uh, mourned, where I have um, just come before the Lord in, in absolute brokenness, in, the, in knowing that God listens to me and that I can cry out to the Lord, And that he hears me. And that it's okay for me to express the fullness of what I'm feeling. And that that's good for me. And more than that, if I could encourage you, when your friend is going through brokenness, it's important for you to to allow them to do that. That they're gonna need to go through that. And they need you to go through that with them. And if I could just give you some other insight. One of the things that I've learned is the depth of mourning that you will go through in your life is directly related to the depth of love that you have for the thing. The depth of love of that relationship will be directly correlated to the depth of mourning that you will experience. I I, got to tell you, this last year, I met with a, um, some parents at Northview whose son uh, passed away in an accident. And man, I mean, it had been a year. They were just absolutely broken. Listen, you don't get over that. That's something you walk through, and it's difficult, and you need to do so with other people in community, and and it's difficult. And and there are different relationships in your life that are going to hurt you at different levels. Now, stick with me on this, because I think this is is one of the key points that I really want you to take away. When you start dating, this is such an important aspect to understand about a dating relationship. You see, when you meet somebody that you don't know, right, and they say something that hurts you, right, it hurts a little bit, it might sting a little bit, but you're like, ah, they're an idiot. But when you start dating somebody and now you're emotionally invested, you've started to expose your heart to them. And so now when they hurt you, it stings a whole lot more. Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and, And I'm telling you that however bad it hurts when you're dating and somebody hurts you, when you get married... It is 10 times more because you have taken your heart and you've given it to another person. And when they hurt you, it really hurts. Here's one of the pieces of advice though that I would really like to encourage you with. When you're dating, you need to be careful that you realize you're not married and you need to guard your heart. You don't start dating somebody and just give them your heart. And, and I want to give you just some practical ideas with regards to this. For for example, when I first started dating Nancy, my wife, one of the first things that I did is is I is we I remember to this day we were driving, we pulled over, we, we were starting to date, and I said, "Listen, I just got to let you know what my what my 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 standards are." I told her, "I, I go, I just need you to know that." that I have every intention of of staying sexually pure until I'm married, please don't even challenge me on that. And she was like immediately with me. She goes, well, that's one of my standards too. Please don't challenge me on that, right? Listen, now stick with me here. Listen, if you give your heart to somebody at that level, do you know how difficult it's gonna be to break up with that person if you figure or find that you're not gonna marry them? See, you need to remember, this one thing that Daniel and I have been talking about, the purpose of dating is marriage. And when you are dating somebody and you come to the conclusion you would not marry them, you need to break up with them. You need to set them free, and you need to be set free. But listen, if you begin into a relationship where you begin to act like a married couple... You could only imagine how difficult it's going to be to break up that relationship. And now, because of how hard it's going to be to break up, you might find yourself in a situation where you're willing to compromise because you don't want to have to go through that brokenness. Now, listen, there may be some of you here who, who you have messed up on your standards in the past while dating. Listen, I want to encourage you. You can start over again. You can begin again. And in your dating life, start again with your standards. Know what they are. Be clear about them and articulate those as you begin to date with that other person. Here's another way that I guarded my heart. I I told Nancy, I said, listen, I'm not going to tell you that I love you until I'm ready to marry you. And it was interesting, by the way, uh, Bertuzzi and Laurel got married this summer And I was talking to Bertuzzi, and he was saying that he had the same thing. And he said, Andy, I made it six months. And then I had to tell her I love her. I'm like, dude, I get it, right? Because you love her. You knew you were going to marry her, Bertuzzi. I get it. Nancy only made it six months, too. I mean, can you blame her? Come on. (laughs) Right? Come on. Appreciate those claps. I got to tell you, though, honestly, it was one of the most awkward moments in our dating life. We're sitting on a couch. She looks over, dreamily into my eyes, and she's like, I love you. And uh, I look back over her and I go, listen, <laughs> I like you a lot. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was harsh. It was harsh. But a few months later, I asked her to marry me. And I looked dreamily into her eyes and I told her, I love you. Now, some people might be like, wow, man, that's extreme. I get it. But you need to be thinking about how are you going to guard your heart so that you can get into a relationship in which you can begin to assess whether or not you're going to marry this person or not. Now, notice that when you get married, you, you give your heart completely to that person, and now you are completely vulnerable to them. And this means that you're going to need to be careful how you interact in that relationship. Yes, when you're dating, absolutely, in marriage as well. Jesus says this now in uh, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the the earth. That word meek in the Greek means gentle, it means humble. But a a pastor friend of mine would often define that word, and I love the way he defined it, and I think it's very accurate. He defined meekness as power under control. Power under control. For they will inherit the kingdom. They will inherit the earth, Jesus says. Listen, that is the mark of a person that is following after Christ. That they have a spirit of gentleness, of humility. It is a spirit of gentleness, uh, sorry, of power under control. Especially as they begin to realize how much power they have over another person. So listen, when you start dating and you become into an intimate relationship with this person and you start to have a part of their heart exposed to you, you need to realize that you have some power over that person that you need to be careful with. This is probably some of the best advice I can give you, by the way, with regards to dating, but particularly with marriage. You need to have rules, boundaries on the ways in which you interact with people, particularly those you date and particularly those who you marry. And and often I will say that there is a difference between fighting with the gloves on and fighting with the gloves off. And one of the things that I have had to learn is that getting into an argument with somebody you love is not a bad thing. It's how you argue that can be good or bad. Having the argument isn't the problem, it's how you argue that's important. And so you need to understand that there should be rules, guides that are guiding how you are interacting, how you are demonstrating power under control with another person. Let me give you some really practical advice on that. When when I was dating Nancy, Nancy understood that she could come to me and raise any sort of concern that she had. And we had many questions and dialogues as we were dating, right? Figuring out if we were going to marry one another, where she knew she could come and ask me and challenge me on anything. And I would not be physical with her, that I would not hurt her physically. I would not hit her. I would not threaten her in any physical capacity. You hear what I'm saying? That is fighting with the gloves on. That gives you a freedom then to come into a, a, an argument with another person and to be able to do so freely knowing that you don't have to worry about your physical well-being. This is also true of your spiritual well-being. Nancy also knew, and we had rules, that I would not uh, spiritually or Uh, emotionally attack her. And Nancy and I have a number of rules, by the way, in marriage. They were the same in dating. One of those rules, like I said, I will not hit you. You will not hit me. I never have to worry that Nancy's going to hit me in an argument. And even if she did, it wouldn't hurt. I can tell you that right now. (laughs) Right. But she never has to worry that I would ever hurt her physically. Now, physically, physically, that one's easy, I, easier, I find, for us. By the way, let me just say something for you ladies. You need to understand that when you're dating, a man is way more well-behaved when they're dating, and their true self will come out when you are married. If you think that you got a man, by the way, that's hitting you when you're dating, and you think things are going to get better when you're married, and you're with each other 24-7, th- you're lying to yourself. That is absolutely not the case you can behave on a four-hour date but a 24-hour time with each other you will see the fullness of that individual now for many of you physical altercation maybe is less likely although maybe you're tempted to throw something or something like that at somebody but the emotional attack of another person. That one is something that you will constantly be enticed into, especially when you're frustrated and you're angry. So Nancy and I have some rules as well with regards to that. For example, Nancy knows that I will never use curse words when I am in an argument with her. When her and I get into an argument, we know Loves are on, I'm not going to hurt you physically, but I'm not going to hurt you emotionally either. I'm not going to use foul language in my relationship with you. And if I did, right, I, like you call me out on that. I need to, I need to repent. I need to start again. Like th- this, is, this isn't like a small thing. This is a big deal because you need to have these in place so that you can actually have a relationship. You can actually have arguments that are necessary. Here's another big one. When I was dating Nancy, Nancy never needed to worry that I would threaten that I would break up with her. That's manipulative. That, that is seeking to hurt somebody emotionally for what you want. Listen, if you are going to break up with somebody, you break up with them. You don't threaten to break up with them. And if I could just throw myself under the bus for a moment... This is one area in my immaturity when Nancy and I were dating that I didn't do very well on. There was a moment where I was really questioning whether or not I would marry Nancy. And I stopped calling her or talking to her for two weeks. And uh, I know it's a real dirtbag thing to do. And my wife, though, she's so awesome. You know what she did? Uh, So I was in Portland. I came back to Canada. She didn't have my number. That's why she couldn't get a hold of me. So she called my mom and goes, you won't believe what your son's done. (laughs) <laughs> he, it's been two weeks and he hasn't called me. And my mom's like, oh, no, he didn't. Here, here's his number. You call that boy, right? Nancy calls me up. Okay, she calls me up and she goes, listen, if you're going to break up with me, you're going to do it like a man. <laughs> and, then, and then she was just silent waiting for it, right? And, uh, and the reality is I didn't want to break up with her. I loved her. But I was terrified to get married. I was terrified that I was going to suck at marriage. And she, she knew that, but man, God knew who to put in my life. And she was an encouragement to me, but there were times that she was, that she just flat out challenged me. But listen, in our marriage, that means that when Nancy and I get into an argument and her and I are having a heated argument, which we do have, she knows that I will never threaten to divorce her. You hear what I'm saying? That is, that is fighting with the gloves on. She never has to worry that I will ever threaten to divorce her. That is to hurt her emotionally. Power under control. When you are in a relationship with another person, you need to remember the sort of power that you have over that person and making sure that you are treating their heart with respect. Man, that's so important when you're dating. You need to be looking for these things. And it is so important when you're married, for those of you that are married here. And listen, if there's those times in in your marriage where you mess up on something, talk with one another and start again. I'll I'll tell you, one time, Nancy got upset with our kids and slammed one of our our kitchen doors, uh, cupboard doors, so hard that the glass broke. You know, And and I was like, babe, we got to (laughs) talk. Like, you had, a, you had a rough week, you know? And, and, and we had a moment where, like, listen, Hun, you know, like, we got to talk about this because that's not good. I had a moment once when we were uh, in, in our marriage where I was upset with Nancy because she wouldn't, she wouldn't apologize for something. And I stormed out of the kitchen and I went to open the baby gate and it wouldn't open and I just ripped it off the <laughs> railing and I walked downstairs, you know? And I'm like, oh man, I'm such an idiot, you know? I come back, and I'm like, I'm sorry. And she's like, I'm sorry, but listen, you can't be ripping the baby gate off, you know? And I'm like, no, you're right. You're right. That was wrong, and I need, I need to start again. Think about the way that you interact with people. Think about how you treat people. And, and, and just right now, I'm talking, what are some of the rules that you have? Have you thought through some of the ways that you engage with people and how you treat their heart? Jesus here ends with this. He says, well, I'm going to end with this. He keeps going in his sermon. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Listen, if there's some advice that I can give you that, that has influenced me from the scriptures, it's this. That you and I, as we go through relational brokenness, as we go through dating, as you are married, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness means right relationship. Don't you, you, you know, listen, you and I need relationship, but we need more than just relationship. We need the right kind of relationship. We need a relationship that is healthy, that is, that is uh, a relationship that is uh, giving, a relationship that goes through brokenness together, a relationship that is power under control, a, a relationship that finds its source in, in God. And this is one of probably the most important things that I have learned in my journey is asking myself, how am I going to know how to live in right relationship? And this is, this is the heart of the gospel that Jesus came and he lived in the flesh to show us God. He, he came to show us what it looks like to love people, what it looks like to live in right relationship with people, to care for one another, and and I want to encourage you in your relationship with the Lord. If you are looking to have a healthy dating relationship, if you're looking forward to having a healthy marriage, you have got to get your relationship with the Lord straight. If you don't have your relationship with the Lord straight, your relationships with other people are all going to be out of whack, and I want to just challenge you right now, as you're just hearing me here, as God's Spirit is working in you, Where's your relationship with God at right now? Where where are you at with the Lord right now? So I'm telling you, you need him. We live in a broken world. And you've got an option. You can either live in this broken world with God or without God. You can either live in this broken world with each other or without each other. And I'm telling you right now, from my years of pastoring, as as I kind of look back on my 20 some odd years of pastoring, one of the things that I have seen over and over again is that when people go through relational brokenness, so often they will run from God and they will run from people. Where are you at right now? In your relational brokenness, where do you run? Do you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Do you seek after God? Do you seek to be in community with other people? Or do you hide? Because I'm telling you right now, what I have seen repeatedly for the last 20 years is that when you run and hide, you will never be satisfied. It will lead to an ever-escalating brokenness, darkness, darkness. Depression, frustration. I can't tell you the number of people that I have watched walk through that. But if you seek relationship with the Lord, you will be satisfied. If you seek relationship with people, particularly your brothers and sisters in Christ, you will be satisfied. When I encounter one of our young adults that's going through a difficult time in their life and they want to meet with me, You have to understand, one of my first questions for you will be, do you have a community group? Are you in relationship with other brothers and sisters in Christ? Because that's the only way that you're going to make it through the brokenness of this life. You're going to need to do so with other people, with your God and with your community, the church. And so as I just end here, I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at with the Lord, my prayer is this for you that you would be absolutely committed as a person, a human being, a relational being, understanding how important relationship is, that you would be absolutely committed to your relationship with God, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what sort of brokenness you're experiencing, and that you would be absolutely committed to community because you know that you need it and those in that community need it. And, and if I can encourage you, if you're not in a community group, I want to challenge you. Get into community. It will satisfy you, and it will be a comfort to you as you and I walk through the brokenness and the challenges of this life. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, as we think through this series that we've been talking on, Modern Romance, God, it is so easy for us to just become fearful in a broken world. Lord, a lot of us have these really high expectations that we're just going to experience this la-la land of wonderfulness, and then we get into the real world, and we begin to have our heart broken, and it's easy for us to run and hide. Lord, would you encourage us... To, to embrace the brokenness and to walk through the mourning, but that we would do so with you. God, that we would seek after your face and those that are here right now, Lord, I just pray as we go into a time of communion, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that just needs to strengthen or make a commitment to you, maybe they've walked away from you, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just be convicting them now and that tonight could be a new start that they could start over again. there's others here tonight that have maybe compromised on their standards and the way that they've treated other people, God, I pray that tonight would be a night of conviction and that they'd start over again and that they would begin to formulate what are their standards and how are they going to treat other people. God, help us to love people the way you do, we pray in your power and name.